Haley. Catherine. Do you know how we got our podcast started so fast? How? We use the Anchor app. What's the Anchor app? Well, it's a really cool app. It's completely free and it'll distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Wow, it literally does all the work for you pretty much. Basically. For free? And yeah, and you can make money on your podcast. It's free. It's completely free. Anything you need to make your podcast will be all on Anchor. Wow. I'm more dependable than anyone in my life, so... I mean, (laughs) you said it. (laughs) Um, So if you guys are interested in starting a podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started. Thanks. Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Honest conversations with interesting people. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, and I talk to a wide variety of guests across an eclectic range of interesting topics. People I've spoken to include a magister from the Church of Satan, a blind Australian filmmaker, a puppeteer from Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, and I also speak to musicians of all kinds of genres, authors, actors, podcasters. Really, there is no limit to who I speak to, and the subject matter is endless. So if you believe in the art of conversation and want to hear different people talking about their passions, then this is the perfect show for you. You can find Genuine Chit Chat anywhere you listen to podcasts, and there's some video versions on YouTube, so there's no reason not to tune in. Hey, what's up, you guys? Hey, what's up, you guys? Hey, what's up, you guys? (laughs) Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Catherine. I'm Haley. (laughs) I'll see if I know the difference, because sometimes I can't tell. I don't. We sound the same Honestly, I can't tell sometimes. You might be able to tell this time, because I sound sound like I've been smoking 50 packs a day for 30 years. Anyway. (laughs) Hey, what's up, you guys? How you guys doing? How's your day? Hope it's going well. My name's Catherine. <laughs> wow. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays for the Ghouls. A Podmoth podcast. Anyway, it is campfire night, week, day. Yes. <clears throat> Whenever it you're is listening to this. Campfire stories this week. And we are here to tell you some spooky stories. Spooky. So sit back, relax, and listen to some spooky stories. And we will see you in your nightmares. Some stories are read with the contributor's permission. Some stories originally appeared on the listener episodes of the Identity Podcast. Ever since I was very little, I've been able to see shadow people. I've done a lot of research about them online and read a lot of books about them because I want to understand what I'm seeing. I'll see them just as I'm going to sleep, but I've also seen them in my house and in other places like stores and supermarkets. They hide behind displays and peek out around corners. I've always had imaginary friends. I was always the kid who would want to play by themselves because I was never really alone. I found out when I was in my teens that not everyone can see shadow people or spirits. I used to think that everyone had imaginary friends that nobody else could see. I remember one night when I was in bed, I woke up to someone saying my name. They said it very loudly and it seemed like they were right next to me sitting on the floor and level with my right ear. 
I looked around but didn't see anyone. Later that night, I woke up again to my name being called out. When I opened my eyes, I was looking at a black mass. It was like it was all around me and I couldn't see through it. I felt cold and it felt like my hands were pushing me down. My parents' bedroom was right next to mine, but even though I was screaming in my head, I couldn't make any noise out loud. The next morning at breakfast, I told my mom about it. She said it was just a bad dream and I should just forget about it. The next couple of weeks, I kept seeing the black mass in my room at night and I kept having the same experiences. I told my mom each time it happened and my father too, but they didn't believe me. They did, however, send me to a psychiatrist who told me I have schizophrenia. I'm not on medication anymore because it didn't help, but I moved out of my parents' house when I was in my early 20s and have not seen the menacing shadow since. I've seen hundreds of shadow people, but none of them have made me fear for my own safety like this one has. Sometime around 1976, I moved to Amsterdam with my family. I came here to teach English and stayed after I retired from teaching. I remember several times seeing a figure in my room at night. My wife would be asleep next to me, and I'd watch as the figure leaned over her as if it was whispering something to her. I couldn't move or do anything. I could only watch. In the morning, she would tell me about a bad dream she had, about someone in the room. She would also have terrible headaches in the morning after experiencing this the night before. It was very strange, and I still have no explanation. Another time, we were visiting friends and stayed overnight, because we were a couple hours away from home and had stayed too late. I again saw a man in a hat leaning over my wife while she was asleep, and again in the morning she complained of headaches and nightmares. I'm not sure if this is the type of story you're looking for, but these experiences are very real to me. This happened when I was 12. My friends and I went to the nearby cemetery to try and see ghosts. We were 12 and stupid. That's my only explanation. It was after hours, so we snuck in over the back gate, careful to avoid the night watchman. My friends had brought candles and tried a talking board to try to communicate with spirits along with a bag of junk food to consume while we did so. My childhood friend, Olivia, we had been friends since I was able to walk, held my hand tightly as we followed the group. Watching for tombstones so we didn't trip, we stopped at a mausoleum by the tree line. Far enough away from the guardhouse and close enough to the trees that we would almost be invisible to any onlookers. The name on the mausoleum was Solomon, and the date was 1849. My friend James, the one who suggested we go to the cemetery in the first place, sat on one of the stone steps and worked to light the candles, heating the bases so the candles would stand upright on the steps. My other two friends, Alonzo and Mia, both got the board out and the snacks and set up the tape recorder they said to catch voice phenomena. We all sat in a circle, each putting our fingers on the planchette, and took turns asking questions. I felt uneasy almost immediately because I didn't want to get caught and I thought that the candles would give us away, but I tried to participate the best I could. Olivia seemed really into it and I wanted to stay for her. I asked when the person had died and whether they'd give us a sign that they were there or not. 
Out of the corner of my eye, I sensed movement and started to get up thinking it was the watchman. But when I looked full on in that direction, I didn't see anyone. I brushed it off as a trick of the low light. We continued asking questions, going around the circle, when I thought I saw the shape again. It was large like a man, but it only looked like a shadow. Again, when I looked in that direction, there was nothing there. By this time, I was nervous and asked Olivia if she wanted to go. We'd been there for about an hour and hadn't gotten any answers at all. She agreed and we got up to leave. I walked Olivia home and then I walked home myself, heading to bed and drifting quickly off to sleep. In the morning, my mother woke me, saying that Mia was on the phone. I went to the kitchen and picked up the receiver. Mia had called because she had listened to the recorder and had heard something weird. I said I would go over to her house after lunch. When I arrived, Mia invited me in and we went to her room, where she set up the recorder on her desk with a headset connected. She listened first, adjusted the volume, and then handed me the headset. I had to listen to the recording several times, but it sounded like when I asked when the spirit had died, the answer was 1849. When asked if he would give me a sign, there was some kind of buzzing sound. Mia told me that this was about the time I started to act strangely, and that was about the time I began to see the shadow figure. None of my friends got an answer to their questions. I grew up in La Paz, Bolivia in a very old house. It was inherited by my parents from my grandparents, and they inherited it from their grandparents for several generations. It was always spooky and I would hear weird sounds at night like the sound of someone walking around on the very creaky floors or scratching on the walls. In the kitchen, there was a window called a coffin window that was always locked tight. My father put a screw in it to keep it from being opened accidentally and one of us kids falling out. My brother was five years younger than me. I was 12 at the time. I'm sure he was worried about my brother because they wanted to keep an eye on him and didn't want him wandering off onto the roof. The coffin window was on the angle of the roof and I was told the coffin window or witch window as my grandmother told me was for just in case someone died upstairs and they had to take the body out. One night I remember I woke up because I heard a creaking noise outside my room. I got out of bed and walked to my bedroom door and put my ear against it. It sounded like someone was opening the witch window and closing it again. I cracked my bedroom door a little and saw that the window was closed. I went back to bed. A few hours later, I woke up again to the same noises. Again, I looked outside the door, but this time I saw my brother in the hall. I asked him why he was there and he said he heard someone calling him and when he got to the hall, he saw someone going out the witch window. I told him to go back to bed because it looked like the window was closed and I thought he was having a nightmare. He went back to bed, but I went to the window to check it. When I tested it, the window opened easily. It was not screwed shut. I leaned out slightly and looked along the edge of the roof. I could hear scratching and scurrying sounds but couldn't see anything. I leaned out further and when I did, I caught sight of a dark figure crawling along the roof. It moved like a spider but was the size of a man and disappeared over the top of the roof. I pulled myself back through the window quickly and slammed it, locking it then ran to my bed and pulled the covers over my head. I told my family but nobody believed me. I still have nightmares about whatever it was. My wife and I bought a house a few years back and it has a storage room that you can get to through a little door. It's like a trap door with a little handle 
and it opens out. We made the room with the trapdoor our bedroom because it was the master, and our son, who was 16 at the time, wanted to live in the basement bedroom. The house was built in the 40s and had some creaks and groans, but is mostly in good shape. We've been fixing it up for a few years now. My wife has sleep paralysis and has gone for sleep studies to try to figure out why she can't get good sleep. She's tried many different medications and even warm milk before bed. Nothing will help her sleep better. So she's up and down in the nighttime because she can't sleep at all or has had what she calls a bad dream. I've never been one to have bad dreams until recently. I dream that there is a shadow standing in the corner of the bedroom next to the trap door. He's tall and wears a hat. He's solid, you can't see through him, but it seems like he comes out of the trap door. The door doesn't open, it's like he slips through the crack where the door meets the frame. He just stands there looking at me. I'm not sure what he wants, but now I've started talking to my doctor about medication because I can't get what I'm seeing to go away, and now I'm not sleeping well either. On my ninth birthday, my grandmother passed away. I remember everyone was in mourning and the festivities of my birthday had to be put off. My family is Irish and came over from Ireland during the potato famine and brought a lot of customs with them. When my grandmother passed, my family cared for the body directly and didn't have what you might consider a traditional funeral in America. She rested in our family home in the living room, kind of an odd place to keep a dead body, I'll grant you, but there it is, and mourners stopped by to drop off food and pay their respects. My grandmother was well known in the church and community, and so the doorbell was ringing constantly. At some point, my mother put a sign on the door telling people to just come in to the living room filled with people, all with their eyes trained on the casket. The curtains in the house were all drawn and every mirror had been covered with a shroud. My mother was superstitious and believed that, had the mirrors not been covered, that my grandmother's soul wouldn't make it to heaven and become trapped in the mirror. After the mourners had left, my mother took care of closing the casket lid and draping a white sheet over it. I watched from around the corner. The whole affair had made me nervous and I wasn't sure I'd be able to sleep with a dead body in the house. My father tried to calm me, telling me that my grandmother's soul had gone on to a better place and this was just a shell and wouldn't hurt me. I had more questions about why people were bringing food for a shell, but was hushed and told to go to bed. In the middle of the night, on October 31st, I woke up suddenly because I thought I heard someone calling my name. I sat in the dark listening for a long time but didn't hear anything amiss. I laid back down, pulling the covers up to my chin and began to drift back to sleep. Just before I drifted off, I heard my name again, louder this time and more insistent. I got out of bed and made my way into the hallway. Someone was whispering my name from downstairs. I could hear the sound drifting up the stairwell. I honestly assumed it was my mother calling to me for some reason. When I made my way down the stairs and into the living room, I froze. One of the mirrors in the living room had lost its shroud and in the mirror I could see my grandmother's face looking out at me. It was gray and slack, her mouth hanging open. I woke up on the floor in the living room, my parents standing over me and looking confused. They praised me for being so brave and coming down to spend time with grandma, but I was terrified. To this day, I don't know if I saw my grandmother or not, I just remember her unsmiling face looking back at me from the mirror.
I dream of him every night, though I'm not sure it is a dream. He's often in the doorway to my room that I share with my older brother, and he doesn't say anything. I think it's a he. I feel like it is. He watches us from the dark corner of the doorway and disappears slowly. It's almost as if he's made of smoke. It's like when you put out a cigarette. He's there, and then gone again. I feel fear when I see him, but he's never hurt me. I feel like he could if he wanted to. I was at my grandmother's house, helping my grandmother move furniture around. She became my mother figure after the death of my mother when I was a young child, and I had been staying with her ever since my car accident. My grandmother helped nurse me back to health, so I made efforts to alleviate her of any and all physical tasks. It felt like it was the least I could do. It was in the attic when I accidentally knocked over a box. The box was filled with VHS tapes, with the farthest dating back from 1990. All that was written on them was the year, and there was a TV in the attic as well, because we used to use the attic for more like a function room than storage space, so I decided to play the oldest tape. I expected to see happy memories, home videos, scenery, anything other than this. The video starts with whomever's holding the camera filming a woman sitting alone at a small table at a coffee shop. She's reading. The camera was zoomed in on her hair, glowing in the light. Fixed. The tape then skips to a new setting in what looks like to be downtown Chicago somewhere. I can see the back of the same woman from before walking down the street, oblivious to the person trailing and filming behind her. The sky is now a dark gray. I can see the lights from the passing cars glinting off her shiny boots. The camera is clambering and rubbing up against the jacket of the cameraman. He or she is not far from her, but is far enough away to show that he or she is not with her, clearly stalking her. The scene lasted maybe five minutes of the monotonous walking until it shifted to the woman now bound and stowed in the trunk of a car. She was taped up, unable to speak. All I could hear was the sound of heavy rainfall accompanied by her screaming and crying. Her muffled panic broke my heart in two. My spine became frozen. I couldn't open my eyes any wider. Any moment, the film would, could shift into something more grotesque, so morbid, so life-changing, and I could do nothing but watch in horror. I saw a black-gloved, covered hand sprout from behind the camera and slam the trunk door closed, trapping her inside. It's now clearly night. The next scene skips to the woman, now beaten and bloody and tied into a chair. The location looks like a warehouse somewhere. The only light coming from a single fluorescent bulb above the woman, illuminating pools of crimson blood at her feet. The camera is held steadily so much that it seems to be propped up by a stand. I can hear the poor woman moaning in pain, underneath the taped covering of her mouth. I can also hear something shifting around on the concrete, like someone's adjusting their stance. It seemed a little manic. I could hear clambering of metal and tools being packed or unpacked from a bag. My stomach fully now turned. The stalker then comes into frames, showing only his back. His head was completely covered in a balaclava. He carried a blade in his right hand. My heart completely halted. The stalker held her, drooping head up and tilted her face upwards and began to slice her throat from left ear all the way to the right. She squirmed and gargled in her desperate and useless attempt to survive. I had never seen so much blood in my life. 
The killer then takes off his mask and stares in the camera, flashing a toothy grin, and the film abruptly stops. I was held in place by my now shot nerves. My blood slowed into stillness, completely discoloring my body into an almost corpse-like white. My grandmother was watching me. She was shaking, and she tried to console me from across the room, struggling to form words to the river of tears streaming down her face. She said she never wanted me to be reminded of who I was before my accident. If you like weird and strange history, then I have the podcast for you. My name is Brenda, and I'm the host of Horrifying History. Are you into the dark side of history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We talk about the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, cursed items, and unsolved mysteries, and then we look into the science and documentation to see where does the truth actually lie. Want to get spooky with us? Get your horrifying history fix by subscribing to Horrifying History, which you can find on any major podcast provider.